right, if you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6 this morning. We're coming to our last chapter of uh, the book of Ephesians, and uh, we will not be disappointed. Um, If you haven't been with us in a couple of weeks, we have been going through a, a series within this book focused on the household of God. And so today is the third sermon uh, from, from that uh, sermon series, if you will. And the focus has been on each individual role within the household of God. We talked about the, uh, the wives first, and then we talked about the husbands last week. And today we're going to talk about the role of parent and child within the family. But we've learned a lot, I think, in the last couple of weeks. I know in preparing these messages, I have been blessed. And there are things that continue to be repeated, and I think they need to be repeated so that we can get the full grasp of what Paul is saying to the church here. Um, and first of all, it's speaking about those things that have been repeated, um, let's talk about the role of, of wives and the role of husbands, and then we can dig into the role of the parent and child relationship within the family. Um, we've learned about certain characteristics that make up a godly family, or if we want to put it another way, we've learned what a properly functioning household of God looks like. It starts with the Lord. Uh, we may think that it starts with the father, but it actually, or the husband, but it actually starts with the Lord. Uh, we will need to recognize that. Everything in our life, it starts with the Lord. Okay, so... Uh, it, it's common to, to say this in a wedding when you marry a, a husband and a wife you say two are not being brought together but this is a household of three uh, because without the presence of the Lord these two will not make it right so we need to acknowledge that it starts with the Lord and everyone in the household if we're talking about a, a Christian household everybody within that household must be subject to the Lord through both faith and also through practice Because we know that it's one thing to say that I am a Christian, one thing to proclaim to be a Christian, but we are identified by our fruit. So everyone in the household of God uh, must be subject to the Lord through faith and practice, and that, that means the children as well. Even if they're not believers, they are brought up to be believers. We don't lessen anything as far as the Bible is concerned for the kids, we bring them up according to the gospel. We let them know that they are sinners saved by grace. And one day, they're going to recognize that. That's our prayer, at least. So it all starts with the Lord, and everyone in the house is subject to the Lord through faith and practice. Everyone must commit to live their lives as living sacrifices to the Lord. That's, that's the... That's where we have to start. That's what we have to establish as a Christian household. If there is, if that's not established, and if there's any issues with that, then automatically there's going to be issues in the way the the Christian, or the way the family um, functions. So that's our starting point. Secondly, what we've learned so far, the father is the leader of the household. Now, this is true in two ways. It's true from a secular standpoint, and it's also true from a spiritual standpoint. And what I mean is this. The father is the leader 
or the husband is the leader of the household uh, in things of the home, secularly, and also in things of the heart, spiritually. That's the responsibility that the husband and father must assume. That is the calling that God has given him in his life. Like it or not, that, that's what we're called to. And as we already learned, this is the higher calling. Not that it's a, a better calling, but this is being a husband and father requires more from you. Because Christ is our example. Paul says you must love your wife as Christ loved the church. And if we are to look to Christ and follow after Christ, there is no higher standard to follow. So that's what we have been primarily called to. We have been called to submit to the Lord by loving our wives as Christ loved the church. And then thirdly, we have the wife or the mother. And she is the helpmate of the husband, both secularly and spiritually in matters of the home and matters of the heart. That's what she has been called to. And she has been called to submit to the Lord primarily by respecting the authority of her husband. So that's what we've learned so far. And today we will spend our time exploring God's divine design for the parent-child relationship. What's interesting is that when we go back to the book of Genesis, the very beginning of creation, we see that in Genesis 1.28 that uh, the Bible says that God, after he created Adam and Eve, that he blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the every living thing that moves on the earth. This is what God has commanded mankind uh, to do. And what's interesting is that what Paul talks about here in our verses that we're about to read, he is talking about how we can practically do that. Part of what we've already gone over is, is Paul reflecting back on Genesis 1.28, reflecting back on creation, God's divine design for the family, for us to multiply, for us to subdue his creation, to rule over it. Paul here at the very end of chapter 5 and also the beginning of chapter 6 is giving us instructions on how that should be carried out in a godly way. So let's go ahead and read the passage and then let's break some of this down. It says, children, this is Ephesians chapter 6 verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Amen. So let's, uh, let's set the basis for the activity that takes place within the parent-child relationship. I want to start there because that's exactly where I started when I talked about the husband and also the wife. We set the basis. What is the basis for what we should do in those relationships? Well, the basis for the activity in the parent-child relationship goes back to uh, Ephesians chapter 5. And I want to read for you verses 18 through 21 so that we can understand why we need to do what God has called us to do or how we are to do it. He says, be filled with the spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs 
singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here's a pivotal verse here at the end of verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So before this, Paul talks about things that divide the church, things that divide um, the, the unity that we are supposed to have in Christ. And he talks about selfishness. He talks about hateful talk, uh, uh, talk that's not appropriate. He says, you know, stay away from those things because those things divide. Instead, focus on these things that unite. And then he ends that whole train of thought with this request that you and I, within the church and also within the family, that we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So just like the husband and just like the, the wife, we have to go back to Christ to understand the basis for the activity within the parent-child relationship. And that is submission, submission to the Lord. That is the basis of why we should do what God has called us to do. Because, listen, there's no, there's no other basis that we can count on except for the Lord. Because if it's like, if we only do things because our husband deserves it, or our wife deserves it, or our kids deserve it, this is where the parents get to laugh, right? If we only do things because they deserve it, we will never do anything good for them. Right? Because they... They cannot live a perfect life. Other people, even the people we love, will always disappoint us. We ourselves, we tend to be selfish. And we tend to say, I only help people who deserve it. But the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So it's a good thing that God doesn't look at us the way we look at other people. Because God gives us grace upon grace. And that's what he wants us to share in our relationships. So then, therefore, we don't serve one another because of other people's goodness or what they've done for you. We serve one another out of reverence for Christ. Because if... If we do that, that person always deserves it because Christ always deserves our submission. That takes away all of our excuses. And we do it out of worship for him. And that's basically what Paul is getting at here. Within the, the church and also within the family structure, we need to be submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. In other words, out of worship of Christ. Now, when you look at the, uh, the relationships that we're talking about today, the child and also the parent relationship, you see this to be true. It's the same basis. This is the basis of the child's obedience to the father and the mother. Look at verse 1. He starts off, he says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. You see the basis there? It's not just children obey your parents. Sometimes I catch myself saying that to my kids. It's like, well, why should I do that? Because I said so, right? That we like to say that. The real answer to that is because God has told you so. That's why you need to obey me. Because the Lord who created you, 
has commanded you to obey me as your parent. Paul sets it right away. This is the basis of why children should obey their father and their mother. Secondly, this is also true for the basis of the father's and mother's stewardship over their children. Look at verse 4. Fathers, and then when he says fathers here, it's assumed that mothers are also included in this statement. Why? Because fathers and mothers are one. The wife is the helpmate of the husband. They're like this. They're not like this. They're like this. So when he says fathers do not provoke your children to anger, he's calling on the father and the mother not to do that. But he says, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of who? Of the Lord. There's your basis again. Paul continually points back to Christ. This is your calling. This is why you need to do it. It goes back to the Lord. You see, one thing we need to recognize is that there is no room in the family structure for selfish ambition. Just purely selfish ambition. There's no room for that. In reality, there's no room for it in our lives anywhere. There's no room for it in the church as well. We're not taught that. We're not taught that because the Bible does not teach us that. The Bible tells us that we're a body and that we should be for one another. The same is true within the family. We're a body of Christ put together by the Lord so that we can bring honor and glory to his name. So there is no room for selfish ambition. Because when we do things out of selfish ambition, we try to take the glory that is reserved for the Lord. We try to apply it to ourselves. But the Bible says all glory goes to God. So we shouldn't do things out of selfish ambition, but we should do all things according to the worship of the Lord. See, our attitudes should not be what is best for me. We tend to struggle with that. We all do. But we always need to check ourselves. If we're just solely worried about ourselves, it's more than likely the wrong decision. So our attitude should not be what is best for me. Our attitude should also not be what is best for my family. Although both of those things can be good and godly things, our focus should be this. What is best for the glory, for the glory of God? Or said another way, what best glorifies the Lord? I think if we have that attitude, if we're thinking that as we're living our lives, as we're raising our families, as we are living as a family unit, if we're thinking about what best glorifies the Lord, we'll never go wrong with any decision we make. But problem is, is that we live in a fallen world. We're fallen people. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but that's what we struggle against. And we have to fight every single day to not be ourselves and to not please ourselves over pleasing God. So now that we've established the basis for the activity within 
the parent-child relationship, let's talk about each of these roles here. We all have individual callings. We recognize that. We have all been gifted differently to fulfill those callings. How can we best glorify the Lord in what God has called us to do? Well, let's start with the ministry of the parents first. This is extremely important. What I'm about to say, this is extremely important. And we need to recognize this as parents as we raise our children, even, even from, the, from them being in our household and then them going to a different household. We can never forget this fact. Number one, we were made in the image of God. I'm speaking to the parents now. You have to, we all were, but I'm speaking to the parents. We were all made in the image of God. And we have been given a specific and special ministry. And the ministry God has given us is that we are to raise other image bearers to bring glory to him. That's where we have to start. We were created and we were fearfully made. That's why we need to honor all life. We need to honor all life because we were fearfully made in the image of God. And then God thought it merciful to us. He, he, he gifted us with children that he fearfully made. And they are also made in the image of God. And he has given us the responsibility to raise them and to guide them in our lives. See, I don't think that we think about that that way very much. Because parenting, behind being a husband, parenting is one of the most difficult things in life. It takes all of your patience. And it reveals the problems that you really have. A lot of people say, man, they look at their kids and they're like, you make me so angry. And that's not a true statement. What it should be is you bring out this ugly anger that I have in me. Because it's already there, just not expressed. So in a way, God uses children to expose the evil in us, to expose the sin in us so that we can realize where we need to grow. And they do a great job at that. They are gifted at that. But it always reminds me, it always reminds me, I did the same thing to my parents, so did you. And we all do the same thing to God. Except God does not react the way we do. In fact, God does not react at all. Thank God that he is not a father or a mother like we are. He sets the perfect example for us and that's who we should look to. But our calling as image bearers is to raise other image bearers to bring him glory. And that's the reason why God commanded man to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth and subdue it. When we go back to Genesis 1:28, that's the whole meaning of that verse. It's not just for us to take over the earth and to destroy it. It's not even for us to take over the earth and enjoy it. The purpose for us to fill the earth, to subdue it, is so that we can make image bearers who will bring glory to God. That's the whole purpose of our lives. 
Parents, if you want to know what your job is, that's your job. Kids, if you want to know what your calling is, that's your calling. To work together as a family unit, doing what God has told you to do, to fill this earth with image bearers who bring glory to his name. It's, that's a beautiful thing. It's, it's so simple. But how many times do we lose track of that? How many times do other things get in the way? When our kids are being raised in our house, what are we worried about? For sure, we're worried about their health, but there are a lot of other things that we worried about that we really should not worry about. For instance, where they'll go to college. For instance, what they'll do for a living. We want to make sure that our kids are taken care of, that they're financially secure, that they're not suffering. But what about in their spiritual life? Do we care enough in that area? Do we guide them? Are we concerned in that area? Because that is our ultimate calling. If our children grow up to be doctors or lawyers or anything else, great, that's wonderful. But that doesn't transfer to the next life. For one thing, there's no doctors needed in heaven. And there's for sure no lawyers needed in heaven either. We need to worry about what we cannot see. That's what Paul says, right? Don't focus on what is in front of you but you need to focus on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. What is unseen, that's eternal. That's where your focus should be. As parents, we need to remember that. When God has, call, when God has given us our calling, or when God gave us our calling and he called us to be stewards, he has called us to be overseers of our household. I like the word, the word steward. I like what it means, and I like what, what it entails, what we should do. Basically, it's an overseer. It's someone who is taking care of something for someone else. Ultimately, we need to recognize that our kids, they are, they're not ours. They're the Lord's. And we are taking care of them for him. In other words, we're their overseer. It's the same thing as a pastor. He's an overseer of the congregation. The congregation is not his. It all belongs to the Lord. He's protecting it, teaching it, guiding it for the Lord. So a parent is an overseer of the household, and a parent is ultimately the overseer concerning the upbringing of the children. And Paul says that God requires the following of his household stewards. He says, number one, as a steward, parents are God's representatives to rule over the lives of their children. To be Lord over them. That's, that's one of the roles of the parents. Look at verse four again. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That's, there's a clear command. Notice it does not say, ask them if they want to be disciplined and instructed of the Lord. Does not say that. Notice it doesn't, ask, it doesn't say, ask them if they want to come to church today. Ask them if they want to read their Bibles. It, it, it doesn't say that. It tells us 
We are rulers over their lives. That's what God has called us to be. Also, number two, as stewards of God's household, parents are also to be recipients of the children's honor. Look at verse two. Speaking to the children, Paul says, honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. See, when we look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2, we recognize that right away. We see that verse and we're like, oh, I know that from somewhere. Well, you do know that from somewhere. It's one of the Ten Commandments, and it's found in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, if you're taking notes. It says, honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is given to you. So Paul, as he's writing this out, he remembers and he's thinking about the, this commandment here, the fifth commandment. He's thinking about it, and he reminds the kids to honor their father and mother. And he reminds them that this commandment comes with a promise. And we, the, what I just read you shows us that the promise is a promise of long life. So what does that mean? Well, this long life pointed to the care that was necessary to maintain it. It's really common sense. God tells the Israelites, honor your father and mother and you'll live a long time. Why? Well, because if you honor your father and mother, not only will you obey them when you're under their lordship, but also when you're out of their lordship, when you're out of their home, you will take care of them. You won't just throw them out. You'll watch over their lives whenever they need you. You will take care of them and you will prolong their life, so to speak. So what, what the commandment is pointing to is that as you take care of your parents, when they become older, one day your kids are going to take care of you. And so the cycle is supposed to continue and you live long in the land. That's a beautiful promise when you're talking about barely starting off in this land that was wild and you're living out of tents and you're wandering everywhere and you finally get to the place where God has called you to be or God has made for you. And this is one of the commandments that you need to follow. Very important for them. Very important for us as well. Have times changed? Of course they've changed. Are the same things still needed? Honor is still needed, but the way in which we take care of our parents when they get older might be a little different. Why? Because there are 401ks now, there's retirement, there's a lot of things that parents can do for themselves, but in the end, parents still need their children to honor them as they grow older. Also, number three, as stewards, Parents are called to raise their children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Going back to verse 4, where Paul commands and tells the parents to do just that. Now, I think this is very helpful and this is very interesting because here Paul sets the standard by which the father and mother should govern their children. We've already heard about the basis. This is the standard. I think it's extremely helpful. There's sometimes when I get instructions and I don't think they're helpful, especially when I'm trying to put something together. Have you ever gotten instructions to put something together? It's more confusing to follow the instruction than to actually just do it yourself. 
I think that's why men just throw away instructions as soon as they see them. Sometimes we do it a little prematurely, I will admit. But the fact is, is that what Paul is telling us here is very helpful. He has told us why and he has told us how as parents. And I think it's really helpful because we must understand that we have an obligation, an obligation to raise our children according to the will of God over our own will. For as a parent, that's extremely, extremely helpful. Because many times, this is what I do, and I know you do it as well. We look at our kids and we gauge them and we judge them based on what we want for their lives. In our heads, we have planned their steps, so to speak. And we have set up different things that we want them to achieve. Our, we say we know our child. No one knows our child like I do. I know what he or she should be doing by now. Wrong. Someone knows your child better than you. The Lord does. And so what we tend to do is that we begin to raise our children and we begin to set the bar for them according to what we want for their lives. And what does that lead to? Well, it leads to your kid not meeting your expectation. It, me it leads to you being disappointed. What we should do as parents is that we should set our standards for the kid as it is said in God's word. If they're, leaving, if they're living to please God, that should please us. What we need to be careful about as parents is that we're not only worried or only concerned about this world. Primarily, we need to be concerned about what translates to heaven. And that is so easy to lose focus of. We all do it. Why? Because we're sinful. But as parents, we need to guide their hearts to heaven. Not that we ourselves can take them there, but we're, we're stewards. We're their overseers. We need to guide them, to guard them. And we need to show them the Lord. That he is their all in all. Not their education, not their job, not who they're going to marry. The Lord. We tend to be more upset when our children disobey us rather than when our children disobey the Lord. I've been convicted of that. Have you ever gotten mad at your child because they've broken one of your rules and you've addressed, you've addressed that situation? You've addressed the situation that, hey, I told you to do this and you did the opposite and now I'm very upset at you. But the whole time you've communicated that, but you have forgotten to say and by the way, and more importantly, you've sinned against the Lord. Or more importantly, you sinned against the Lord, and that's what I'm upset about. 
Yeah, you've sinned against me by not following my instruction towards you, but that's secondary to what you've done to the Lord. When I'm really mad, I'm not thinking that clearly. When I'm really mad, I'm worried about how my kid has failed me, how he has failed to listen to me. And I fail to point him or her to the Lord. As parents, we must always remember to point them to the Lord. You see, what the Lord has poured into our hearts through his words, we are to diligently pour into our children. We're not, we're not being filled up just to be full. We're being filled up to be poured out. So what we learn through the word of God, how we are sanctified, the wisdom that we gain from the Holy Spirit, we pour into our children. But you're like, pastor, they don't listen. Okay. Yes, that is a problem. But that does not stop you from doing what God has called you to do. You keep on pouring. If they're the Lord's, one day they're going to drink. One day they're going to recognize the wisdom. They're going to see that it's from the Lord. One day things will be different. I love Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9. This is what it says. Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and to your children's children. This is Moses' words to the nation of Israel, reminding them of what God has done for them in the land, how he has miraculously taken care of them. And Moses is telling them, do not forget the things that your eyes have seen. Do not forget the things that the Lord has done for you. Remember them. And by the way, teach them to your children and also to their children. Parents, that is your calling. You have been filled by the Lord. You are running over. Because God has filled you with his word, with his wisdom. He has given you grace upon grace. He has given you more than you need. You, in turn, fill your children with what God has filled you. Now, let's talk about the children. Children must be, if, if parents are called to be faithful stewards, well, the children must be faithful subjects for the Lord. The primary ministry of the child is to submit to the Lord by obeying and honoring his or her parent. Now, notice that children are to obey their parents in the Lord. Let's, let's remember that. Kids, if you're sitting here and you're thinking, man, why do I have to listen to my mom and dad? Well, because the Lord said so. This is what God has called you to do. And remember, you're not always going to be a, a, a child, so to speak. You're going to become a, an adult one day. And when you become an adult, you're going to wish you were a child again. But you're also, going to, you're also going to understand 
this commandment and why God calls children to obey their father and their mother. That is your primary ministry. Verse 1 tells us this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. See, by obeying their parents, children honor God first and foremost. And then they also honor their neighbor. Those are the, uh, those are the two greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love others as yourself. When we look at the Ten Commandments, that's exactly what all Ten Commandments point to. So the following Bible verses also point to the obligation for children to honor and obey their parents. Listen to Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. I love this one. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants around your neck. Also, Proverbs 23, 22, listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. You see, as children age, it's obvious that their obligations to their parents change. We can go back to God's word and it tells us that that children are a man and a wife, that once they become an adult, they are to leave their father and mother and to unite with themselves to a spouse. And the Bible says that two shall become one flesh. So we know that as children grow older, the the relationship changes, but yet no matter what, there is honor that is given to the parent. Yes, as you grow older, as you find someone If you find the person who the Lord has given you, you are to hold fast to them as a spouse. And as you lead your own household, you are to place your your priorities on your spouse and on your family. But you are also never to forget to care for your parents in the Lord. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he, is, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. As long as we live, and as long as they live, actually, we have a responsibility to our parents. Even if we're not in their house, we need to glean from the wisdom that they have. Are they perfect? No. Will they make mistakes? Oh, yes. Will they give you bad advice? Probably. But you need to remember, you're no different than they. And everything they tell you, you need to take with a grain of salt. You need to consider what they're saying. You need to consider what they've been through. You need to consider what the Lord is revealing to you through their words. Because if they're doing their job as parents, as I said before, they're emptying themselves of what the Lord has filled them with. And if your parents are being faithful in doing that, not you better listen, you better listen. That is a blessing to have. I hope that one day that our children 
can look at my wife and I like that and to really consider the wisdom that we try to impart to them. In the end, it's going to be their choice. Will you get to the point where all the discipleship, the prayer, everything you've done, it's, it's ultimately their decision. But I hope that they consider, they consider our words. That's my prayer for all of our parents. That's why I say don't ever stop sharing godly wisdom with your children, even when they're full grown and out of the house. And here's something else to think about. The commandment to honor father and mother, look at where it's located. It's the first of the second table. The first four are our vertical relationship with God, how we should honor God. This fifth commandment starts the new table, how we should honor one another in our worship of God. I think that's really important that it is placed there. It signifies the importance in loving our neighbor as ourselves. And as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, when we speak about neighbors, there's no closer neighbor than the people who live in our home. That's where the horizontal relationship is, is really experienced in the home and also in the church. So to honor your father and mother is the primary example of loving your brother and sister in Christ as yourself. That's something that I share with our kids all the time. It's like, if you can't hear and listen to what I am telling you, how are you going to listen to any other authority figure over your life? This is where you learn to be obedient. This is where you learn to humble yourselves. You learn that by being obedient to your father and your mother. And recognizing that by doing that, you are ultimately being obedient to the Lord. See, to honor means to revere and to respect them. To honor your parents is tied to their calling as overseers over your lives in the Lord. To honor them is to honor the Lord. Why? Because in his sovereignty, he has placed you in that household. It's the same thing as the husband and wife. It blows my mind every time I think about it. My wife is the one that God has reserved for me. The same thing with our children. Children, the same thing with your parents. God has given you the parents you have for his glory and for your sanctification. And it's a beautiful thing. And for us to be content in that is also a beautiful thing. I want to end with this, though. I've given you the basis for why are the basis for the activity within the parent and child relationship. We've talked about the ministry of the parents. We've talked about the ministry of the children. Now, from a practical aspect, let's talk about some of the struggles that we have in carrying out what God, or who God has called us to be. You see, as we walk in our God-given roles in this world, we need to understand that we will have trouble. I think that's evident. Because 
There is no household that has complete harmony. So we recognize that we will have trouble. This is guaranteed. Why? Because we are fallen creatures who live in a fallen world. But here are some pitfalls that I think that we as Christians need to be mindful as we need to be mindful of as parents and children. Number one, we need to really be careful about selfishness and also covetousness. I know those two go hand in hand, selfishness and covetousness. We need to be very careful about those two because those two cause disruption and confusion in our God-given roles. It's easy to see. That's part of the curse. We talked about that, how the husband and wife, that they're always butting heads because they want control of the family. That's easy to see, but amazingly, even the children are battling for different places of the family. You see, in our families, we, we look at each other and we say, well, I wish I was called to do this rather than what I am called to do. Because I think as husbands, we rec- as, fathers and, as husbands and fathers, we recognize the enormity of our calling to be the greatest servant. And sometimes that is tiring. And we just wish that we didn't have to lead. We wish that we could just follow. Why? Because it's just that much easier. Just tell me what I need to do and I'll do it. And sometimes we hand over the keys to our wives and we say, here, here's the car, drive it. And we mean to get that car back, but what happens? It's a fight for those keys again. We wanted to take a break from our role. We we wanted to just relax a little bit. And because we have not done what God has called us to do as husbands and as fathers, we are not leading our house. Same thing as for, for the wife. You find you just get tired of following, of submitting, and you think I can do things a whole lot better than him. Let me have those keys. I'm gonna show you how to drive. And then you get to the point where you're like, I'm tired of driving. I don't want to drive anymore. I, I, want, I want him to. Or how about the kids? The kids think they know everything, right? They've only been here in this life for, you know, maybe five years, 10 years, 15 years, even 20 years, 30 years. They think they know everything, and they want to tell you how you should be living. They want to tell you, give you advice on how you should parent them. What are they doing? They want those keys too. They don't want anybody ruling over their lives. And then we start to see something very different in our world today. I'm noticing that more adults, more of the fathers and the mothers are taking on traits of children rather than doing what God has called them to do. What do I mean by that? I have never in my life seen a generation of men who spend more time playing video games than they do what they're supposed to be doing. Never, ever, ever. I don't get it. And I grew up in the generation of playing video games. But listen, playing video games in itself, hey, it's not, it's not my, I, I play video games with Jonah every once in a while, 
The thing is this. If you're spending more time playing video games than you are leading your family and doing what you need to do, it's sinful. I've also seen this. You know, kids come home. They want to come home, throw their stuff. They want to veg out, relax, and not do anything. I'm starting to see that more and more from the mothers in that household. Mothers just want to watch their favorite series. They want to sit down. They want to relax, and they, they just don't. They want to just veg out, tune out, and get away. What happens when we do that too much? It's sinful. We're not fulfilling our roles as parents. We're not fulfilling our roles as husbands and as wives. We're forgetting what we are called to do. Many times we say, I don't have time to disciple my children. I don't have time to read my Bible. You have time. Trust me, you have time. If you're honest with yourself and you get past what I'm saying and you get past being maybe mad at me for saying it, you will recognize you have the time. And if we go back to Ephesians 5, what does Paul say? Make the most of your time. Why? Because there is evil opportunity everywhere in this world. We can get lost in a fallen world. We can begin to look like a fallen world, but that's not who we're called to be. We are called to be a light in a dark place. Now listen to me. Father, mother, husband, wife, and child. Fulfill your role. Because one day, and this is something that we have to consider. Yeah, maybe right now no one's calling us to task. Maybe no one is calling us out. Maybe no one is putting any pressure on us. But one day, one day we will all stand before the Lord. And one day he will judge Everything we've done in the body, whether good or bad. Are you making the most of the time the Lord has given you? Something to think about. Selfishness and covetousness are things that we have to be concerned about. Never... Well, I shouldn't say never because I, I don't know history that well to say this, but I can say this at least. Abandonment, absenteeism, that is very present in the lives of parents today. I'm a child of abandonment. For whatever reason, my father decided it would be best that he would not be in my life. In fact, he decided it would be best that he never met me. That's something that I've learned greatly from. I've forgiven him for that, but it's helped me. It's helped me to become the father he never was to me. It's helped me to learn that God has given me children. And he has given me 
a calling to lead them as their father. See, when God judges a people, this is something that you see on a regular basis. He hardens the hearts of their children towards their parents. I think what we're dealing with in our nation, what we're dealing with in our families, what we're dealing with concerning sin running rampant everywhere, a big part of that is this confusion about who is who within the family. And also this selfishness of I don't want to be or I don't want to do what God has called me to do. I'd rather do his job. I'd rather do her job. I'd rather do nothing. And when we do that, we're not fulfilling the role that God has called us to. Also, number two, this is what we have to worry about. A lack of reverence and a lack of commitment to God's word. See, as a church, we need to be very careful about this because many Christian families, they try to emulate the world. They try to follow the world, copy the world. Why? Because we're focused on what is here and what is now. But instead of copying the world, we need to obey the word. That's what we're called to as family. I, I reminded you earlier that one day we will be judged. When we look at what we're going to be judged according to, we're going to be judged according to his word. We're going to be judged according to the standard that God has given us to live to. Yeah, for sure, we have grace upon grace. Yes, Christ has lived his word out perfectly. And his righteousness has been imputed to us. And we have been forgiven of our sins. Praise God. Hallelujah for all that. But the Bible is still clear that there is a judgment. Things will be revealed. And for us as Christians and as Christian families, we need to be concerned and we need to revere what God has told us in his word. See, families have set down their Bibles and instead, and I'm, I'm speaking about families within the church, families have set down their Bibles and instead look to man to guide their hearts. It, it even happens, it happens so much in the church, people don't even recognize it. There are families who come to church on a regular basis. They never read their Bibles. They rely on the pastor who's preaching to them to guide them, just to feed them, to, to give them everything they need. Please do not look upon us that way. We are not able to do that. I, I'm not capable of feeding you. I'm not even the one from whom the food comes from. I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just passing stuff out. And what I'm passing out to you Sunday after Sunday, it's important, but it shouldn't be your main course. You wouldn't eat one day a week, would you? You can tell I don't. We need to be feeding on the word every single day. If you're relying on me, Pastor Laramie, Pastor David, any teacher in this church to feed you and to nourish you, You've missed the mark on what you think about the word of God. 
you missed the mark on the reverence and the commitment you should have for God's word. And if you're missing this mark, what's happening to your family? See, the gospel was placed on the back burner and kids are primarily instructed on worldly philosophy. So then what do we have? We have a generation who does not know the Bible. We have a generation who does not care about the Bible. What does that equate to? We have a generation of lost people. They do not know God. Even though they were raised in a Christian household, they do not know God. And they do not care about what God says. And parents are left scratching their head trying to determine what happened. What went wrong. And then this also. Be concerned. Watch out for this pitfall. A lack of discipline exercised within the home. You see, as stewards of our children, we are called to discipline our children. But then also, something else that we don't recognize, even as husbands and wives, we're called to discipline each other. Discipline is thought of as, oh, that's a horrible thing. Don't, don't talk about that. No, it's a godly thing. Discipline leads to repentance. Discipline leads to restoration. Discipline leads to growth. So discipline should be practiced within all the relationships. Why? Because we're submitting out of, to each other out of reverence for Christ. See, de- discipline helps children understand and accept the discipline of the Lord. It also helps uh, our, each other, excuse me, it also helps spouses understand that they have someone over them. It always points us back to the Lord so that we don't become unruly, so that we don't become spoiled, so that we don't become selfish. And so that we always remember that we live our lives not for ourselves, but for the one for whom created, for, for he who created us. This is what the Bible says here in Hebrews chapter 12, and I'll end with this. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. One thing that is really missing within the household of God is truthful conversation, loving conversation, graceful conversation, encouraging one another, training one another. 
admonishing one another, all with the word of God, correcting one another. We as families need to get back to what we have been called to do. We need to be committed to God's word. We need to be committed to discipline within the home. We need to fight selfishness. We need to accept the roles that God has given us. We need to understand, yeah, we're not perfect, but God is sanctifying us. Mostly, we need to understand that we live our lives as worship to God. Being part of a godly household is supposed to be a blessing. Being part of a godly church is supposed to be a blessing. It's, it's weird that I have to say that, a godly church. Shouldn't all churches be godly, but that's not the case. We as God's people are being called to repentance. I'll be the first, I'll, I'll lead the charge. I have no problem with that. I have no problem with standing before you and telling you that what I preach to you, I failed in doing. There's some repenting that I'm in the process of. I haven't been the husband that I've been called to. I haven't been the father that I've been called to. I have to deny myself, take up my cross and follow him. I have to acknowledge that I've failed him. I have to acknowledge my family that I've failed them. I, I try to do that all the time. But no matter what, I, I have to strive to be holy as he is holy. As a husband, I have to strive to love my wife as Christ loved the church. As a father, I have to strive not to provoke my children, but raise them in the instruction and discipline of the Lord. 